0: When I was nine years old, uh, at that time, you know, I, I don't like it. You know, the normal school in, in that time, you know. So my father, you know, my mother, she got working in the morning, you know, and then come back in the evening, you know. And then I have a, I have a grandfather a and a grandmother, you know. And then I always around on the street, you know, fighting on the street, you know. And then some friends, they say, hey, uh, 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 why you just let them all? Uh, just walk on the street, you know, fighting, why you don't let, her, uh, let him to do, learn something? You know, and then my grandpa, that that time my grandpa, he's a still kind of working, you know, It's nobody take care of me. And then my grandpa say, how? How do we bring, you know, Samuel to, to learn something? And then my friends say, my, 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 my parents, uh, parents the friends say, well, so, you bring Samuel, to learn the picking opera, you know, maybe later on, he can take care of himself, you know, something like that. And then my grandpa say, okay, you can, we can try, and then bring me, they bring me to the, to the, to the picking opera school. And that time I saw some kids in, in the school, you know, about four and five kids in there, they jumping, whatever. I so saw very funny, you know. Oh, then I come back home later. I told my grandma, I want to go. You know, I want to go to up our School. Then then two weeks later, uh, my grandparents, uh, they bring me to the school. They were side country. I am stayed there about seven years. Then, and then, OK, then my mother, my grandpa, they go home. I am stayed there one week later. Oh, I call my grandpa, I want to go home. <laughs> because it's so hard in the school, you know, the, my master, they, every day beat me. <laughs> So I'm a study there about in the seven years. Yeah.
1: Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Searchers. This is Ben, and we are back from summer break. And joining me today, we have Mr. Chris. Hey, everybody. And Mr. Kevin Chan. Hello, everybody. Um, I was going to call you KRC, kind of like PRC in uh, the theme (laughs) theme of the day, People's Republic of China. But uh, yeah, well, yeah. Everyone would be like, "What What kept you from doing so?" Uh
2: just, you could have done that.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're back from uh summer break. We took a a few weeks off. Uh, I'm going to turn this episode around ASAP this weekend so it's out in August as we promised in our last episode. But yeah, uh what have you guys been up to the past couple weeks? Oh, been flying. Exhausted, but I'm glad that I'm here. Yes. to be with you guys. So, <laughs> happy to have you here, Also
3: sir. Also happy to be here. I have only been slowly improving
1: my disc golf game. What episode did we talk about disc golf, Chris? Was that a certified copy or execution squad? Yes. Okay. Certified copy. Yeah. <laughs> any uh, hole yes. in ones? Do we have any hole in ones yet?
3: I have. No, I have yet
1: to get an ace. Unacceptable. <laughs> I know. I expect perfection. I well, since that recording.
3: <laughs> I played with the <laughs> older gentleman a few weeks ago. And he told me that he just got his first ace either last year or
1: the year before and he had started playing forty years ago. Back in my
3: day. Yeah. <laughs> nah.
1: Well, not to get into another disc golf discussion, but uh has did he tell you like, <laughs> yeah, the rules have changed so much or like it's such a completely different sport.
3: <laughs> Back in my day, yeah. Yes. We went over all of that. Not really. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ben, but how about yourself, sir? Since the last recording with Kevin for Mission Impossible, which is apparently our most popular episode so far, so that's interesting. Um, After that, I went to North Carolina for a little vacation, and besides that, just working, making some money, and uh, prepping for this episode, which, uh, as everyone can see from the title, we are covering painted faces from 1988. The, the past month, I've read two Jackie Chan autobiographies. Well, reread one and read one nice. for the first time. So Kevin finally got his wish of me buying more physical things. Uh, I bought the, uh, what, 2016 biography? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah,
2: I think that is 2016.
1: Uh, yeah, speaking of Jackie Chan. Um, a Yeah,
2: this
1: this movie is, uh, we'll get to the plot in a, in a little bit, but this movie is directed by um, Alex Law. Uh, it's written by Mabel Chung and a. a i never they never got married but they were a couple who made a bunch of movies in the 80s and 90s together unfortunately Alex Law passed away at like a kind of young age i think 69 70 uh, in the last couple yeah. of years yeah, yeah. so um uh, produced by Leonard Ho who's also not with us any longer um, and the cast is starring Sam Oh-hung as master- well we're not going to get into all the characters yet uh Sam Oh-hung Chang Pei-pei um, Lam Ching-Ying and a bunch of child actors and you will see why and there's uh, some cameos from John Shum who uh, Kevin is definitely familiar with I, I'm hoping maybe don't recognize the name but you hope so too. you definitely know who he is <laughs> I believe he I was do. he's curly in um in the winners and sinners oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he is a cameo. I, I, cameo. I yeah, um, Wu yeah. Ma, who's a very, a very prolific Hong Kong actor as, as the film director. So he was, a, again, a cameo. Um, and then Mary Lee, who was Cheng Lung's mother. Uh, she was a, I believe she was a sister of a famous Hong Kong actress and daughter of a Hong Kong director from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So, yeah, obviously... Hong Kong movie uh, was produced by Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest, which when I first turned the movie on, I was very surprised to see the Shaw Brothers uh, shield and the, the song. So that was that was pretty cool. And yeah, so as I as I said earlier, prepping for this episode, read Jackie Chan's biography. Well, both biographies. Why would I be doing that? Well, um, pretty obvious. You want to just get, I'll get into the plot. Is that cool, guys? Yeah. Yeah. yeah get, the, get this out of the way. Yeah. Uh. From the, ba- the back of the Hong Kong Blu-ray, I believe. Long before the world discovered Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung, they were members of a children's pecking opera troupe performing in a Hong Kong amusement park. Painted Faces is the colorful story of the 1960s adolescent years of Jackie, Sammo, and other ma pets who grew up to transform Hong Kong action cinema. It was a tough existence, undergoing the intensive acrobatic training under Master Yu, played by Sammo Hung, Chang Pei Pei is radiant as a Cantonese opera star in a role that is a transition between her days at Shaw Brothers' number one source woman and her evil nanny in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Painted Faces swept the 1988 Hong Kong Film Awards and Taiwan Golden Horse Ceremonies, variously winning Best Drama, Script, Director, Cinematography, and two Best Actor statutes for Sammo Hung. End plot.
3: (laughs) Wow, Sammo swept the Golden Horse, huh?
1: Yeah. yeah. I guess uh why did I pick this film? As you know from the if you've been listening this whole time for since 2022, uh Kevin and I talked about Jackie Chan on our second episode along with uh John Wayne. And-
0: My name is John, John Wayne.
1: John Wayne? John Wayne.
3: <laughs> that's a terrible cowboy name. Why? No, come on. That's not going to work.
1: And a bunch of uh western <laughs> western stuff. So to do it, <laughs> beat me to it. God damn it!
2: <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs>
1: but yeah, so I, I picked this movie because one I hadn't seen it, Kevin hadn't seen it, and I, I think it was about damn time. And mm-hmm. um, it's a good. I I was hoping it was going to be a good introduction for our listeners and for maybe Chris t- to Hong Kong cinema, Hong Kong action cinema specifically. And th- this movie's not really too much of an action movie it's it's a biopic kind of um that focuses on you know jackie chan Sammo hung and the other seven little fortunes and their whole group gr- growing up and, and performing in the Peking opera but i really wanted to get into this first and get this out of not out of the way per se but to uh watch this with you guys and review it and talk about it before we were to do anything else which i I thought it was a good idea. maybe you guys disagree.
2: <laughs> no, this is a great idea.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so no, no I, yeah,
3: I agree start. completely this is
1: this is great. great idea. I'm gonna start it off by asking Chris since he's pretty unfamiliar with you know Jackie Chan and Sama Hong and seven little fortunes uh, <laughs> specifically with your comment to one of my questions, you're like, who? Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're being serious or not, but uh were you being serious, Chris? Oh 100%. Okay, so little trivia for you and the listeners. The 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 Chinese or I guess I I don't know if it's Cantonese or Mandarin, but the I think it's probably Cantonese. The title it, of it, the movie Cantonese, is definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's actually Seven Little Fortunes, but they never oh, yeah. mentioned that in the subtitle track that we had. So I can get why you were like, "What? What's that?" <laughs> um but yeah, so so since Chris is is new and has a, this, this specific perspective, I thought it'd be good to ask you, like, first off, what, what's your first impression of it, and uh, what you, do you think about Painted Faces? I
3: appreciate that. Before I dive into that, I just have some notes on your wonderful intro. I want to say that Chang Pei is a fantastic name, and <laughs> <laughs> are we going to take a vote here on how to say biopic or biopic.
2: biopic biopic i used to say biopic and it just became biopic because it just sounds more <laughs> i just want to make again. sure
3: our listeners know where we stand on these important <laughs> <do you> very <laughs> important <laughs> all issues. right
1: all here right we go with pronunciation it's like, well, all right this- pronunciation police we're going to start calling chris Pee uh, 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 Gang Pepe. no there's, just, an chris, chris there's an easy <laughs> reference chris pp there's an easy reference all right chris Chris, what is Chang, it? Chang Chang PP. What is it? So no, Chris, oh, I, I call it biopic. Okay, biopic. Good. We're, okay, it's two dollars. Hey, two <laughs> right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's probably interchangeable, but who are we to actually know that? I would so,
1: as, I would assume it probably depends on being an American English speaker or a British or Australian. I bet you we all say it differently for whatever reason.
3: Probably, yeah. probably, yeah and shout out to the british word of the episode which was moff moffets moffet
1: Moppet. as i said before recording we're going to have nick Langett. we're not going to actually make him do it but <laughs> it would be funny to have nick <laughs> read the intro for me in his uh, a great british accent right correct
3: so <laughs> send, not not to
1: derail here. send send in the audio clip on email nick send the sound bite asap yes. <laughs>
3: My first impressions of this film, Painted Faces, I think. And when you say first impressions, I, I assume you mean my very initial thoughts after I watched the whole film.
1: Yeah. Like what right. did you think? We'll, we'll yeah. let you get the first uh, up the bat, you know? Perfect. So, initial
3: thoughts is I think with my little familiarity with Eastern cinema, uh, Hong Kong in particular. I think Hong Kong and maybe you can throw in Japanese there too. Mm-hmm. The stylistic choices made for the comedic moments work really well because I think China and Japan, the filmmakers that reign from those or that hail from those areas, uh, understand camera movements and blocking exceptionally well. So I think the film works really well with its comedic moments. Um, playful, well-timed makes it f- appropriately feel like a coming of age flick, which is where I first and foremost thought this, what I, where I would consider this movie to be. And the blocking introduces the physical aspect of the pecking opera and the stunt work that they want to focus on. Um, flip side is, I think the dramatic angle and all of the more emotional beats of the film don't work as well for me.
2: Interesting.
3: Okay. Okay. Yes. And I think obviously that will matter depending on what you know about hong kong cinema and the players of the game
2: uh-huh
1: as you're saying now i agree if if you don't have a, a emotional tie at all or even have basic knowledge of who who's who and that's pretty difficult being you know americans being westerners watching eastern cinema uh i think you just right. watched you just watched um what the five shallon masters or whatever Correct. And I also saw, I saw one or two other Shaw brothers movies recently. Yeah. So a lot of those movies will just throw you in to the plot and you're like, like the plot will be like, Oh, seventh sister. And like the the Chinese all know what that means from their folklore. But like, we'll like be like, what, what's that? Like there's no, there's, <laughs> yes. there's no context at all. Cause it's like, we're not going to waste time. Trying to explain this, you guys already all know. It'd, it'd be like trying to introduce George Washington. Like you know who it is, right? They already know all the context that they need to know.
3: And just to, just for the record, the other two recent Shaw Brothers movies I watched were Five Fingers of Death and The Boxer from Shantung.
1: Getting all that early '70s stuff out of the way, sweet. Early '70s Here's stuff. Starting really early. Yeah, getting into it.
3: I still need to and,
2: watch more Shaw Brothers myself.
3: I'm particularly sticking with Shaw Bros right now. Because I have a few buddies that are trying to work their way through the box set. Ooh, I figured it was a, but the figured first, it was a good way to... The first to... one? I
1: believe so? Yeah, they're on the first one. I, it, I They're over behind my left shoulder, but you can't see I it. I really shouldn't. Damn
3: it. Really the really magnifying glass out. Box oh set yeah, you can't see them in the, in the...
1: I could go get them, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, the, the box sets, <laughs> the Shaw Brothers box sets are great. Uh, if you're, if you're How many fan, are there? Right now, too, I would assume the third one's coming out at the end of the year, ne- early next year, because they're make- Apparently, the first one did good enough that they're going to just keep releasing them. I think. So that's awesome. That's cool. Can't wait. Yeah, so
3: I'm slowly making my way through what my buddies are currently watching, and I've, I occasionally have watched a Hong Kong film
1: every now and then. Anyway, and if anybody looks at my letterbox, they know I'm a, I'm an absolute addict. So.
2: Yes, ben has been like cramming in and binging all those old Hong Kong <laughs> rarities out there.
1: I'll, I'll never
3: forget it, though. It was it must have been last year. I think you posted a rare five stars on something, Ben. Uh, it was a Alexander Fushang film. Um, that's the, the pole. The eight Diagram Pole Fighter. Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. And I have been looking yeah. forward to watching that ever since I saw your review. Um, and I'm A even more excited ten, now to man. watch it because I really liked Alexander fushang in the that's, last film. That's unfortunate for
1: you. <laughs> oh, so it's it, probably it, he, not. He died right when they, they were shooting. So like, he's kind of just like leaves the movie halfway and they don't really explain it. Oh, so, oh, that stinks. So I would definitely recommend watching. Well, you could watch that first and then go back and then be happy again. Um, but I would definitely recommend watching like <laughs> two or three okay. other movies of his first um but yeah before that one okay not, not to derail we all obviously all three of us like this stuff to varying degrees mm-hmm. um but Kevin and I kind of started this podcast off of our our love for Jackie Chan which I still that's like Jackie. True. I like Jackie Chan movies. I don't like Jackie Chan as much anymore because he's a commie suck up. But that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's not, about about. That. that's not what the movies. That's not what the movies about though. Um, so, Chris, Seven Little Fortunes. Are we, Are you straight with who they are now, or no? They're they're the seven youngins that were raised in the Peking
3: opera in real life, and Jackie Chan is one of them. Sammo Hung is mm-hmm. another.
1: Correct. So they yeah, are the seven right. that Master Yu picks to perform on stage as the most important acrobats uh for their performances. And then they they crossed over into West for Western audiences essentially.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well Jackie Jackie more so than the rest of them, becoming the international stars opposed to Samo and Yen Biao and uh Corian, aka Yen Kwai, is that right, Then Yeah, Kwai. Yen Kwai was Yen
1: Kwai. Yun Biu too, but That's 30 years after, but but this movie took place in the, I think over a decade, probably we could guess the, the historical aspects of this film really aren't exactly accurate. They're kind of just like hand, they're (laughs) They're hand waving stuff because it's a lot to fit in 10 years into a two hour movie. Um, but so the seven were the ones that master you picked at that time. And you know, whenever that time is is the present it's like you're this you're going on stage and you're the important one tonight but like jackie got kicked out of the seven little fortunes for misbehaving i think more than once and
2: <laughs> he's uh, he's been notorious for that <laughs>
1: yeah so well he yeah sorry yeah i was just gonna say like they're on in our notes i think there's nine that we have as the seven little fortunes and those are like the big nine um when i say nine mm-hmm. you know Samo and uh like you and Kawhi, i think is maybe a year younger than Sammo, but then there is also Yoon, um, Q who's a female, which is an, another aspect of the movie we'll get to. Um, but she was, you'll probably best know her from being the landlady in Kung Fu Hustle. So yeah, the, all these people would graduate from the school or their tent or their, their time would go up and they'd go and try to make it in the movies. So that's why there's more than seven, seven little fortunes. Right. Are we, did we answer your question? yes you did very well thank you we don't want to go through the whole plot because there's there's a lot to unpack um so i kind of just wanted to know like i guess it it doesn't matter the order so whatever we're gonna bounce back and forth because kevin and i are very passionate about this topic um but yeah what were your guys favorite scenes um i think we'll just get into that and maybe that'll go naturally into the plot
2: uh so first favorite scene uh is well, I mean, I could name a lot because they really mainly because of the fact they just remind me of what Jackie writes in his second, specifically his second autobiography. Not the first one, because the first one written with with Jeff Yang is so sensationalized and everything comes off as a again. Ben mentioned this before we started recording. It's it's like it plays out literally like a movie, literally like a movie. So uh with Jackie's second autobiography, a lot of what he writes is found in the film. So, for example, when Jackie's mom, a.k.a. he's known as Big Nose. That's one of his nicknames. Uh, definitely a nickname that he had as a kid. Jackie was notorious for a rather large nose. And he's no, he's not known as Jackie in the, in, in the film. His character is known as Big Nose. And his mom comes over to give him a bath with a fresh pail of hot water. And she sees the bruises from all the beatings that he took uh, for master Yu, from all the caning. And it, to me, it's a very somber scene and it's one of the scenes that really epitomizes the entire film of a child's uh, a child maturing at a very young age. And it's not something that you want uh, for a child, but that, that it's that scene when Jackie's mom comes to take care of him, it's one of the only, it, it's, it's a scene that is an example of, one of the child's forms of respite uh, from the entire ordeal being at the China Drama Academy because really every single kid at that that academy is going through hell and Sammo and Jackie I think have said this on record but and I I think it it is the the truth but much of what you see and Sammo uh, the real Sammo Hung is playing their own master master, uh, Master Yu and they did say on record that he everything you see on on film is really nothing compared to what they had endured at the real uh, China Drama Academy learning Peking Opera, and Jackie does describe that in the book. But really, that's one scene uh, right there, one of my favorite scenes. And also, right after that scene is. Uh, a shot of uh, Jackie, little Jackie, eating a slice of watermelon so happily. And the kids come in and go, is it sweet? Is it sweet? And then he lets them have a piece and they they eat it. They rub it all over their faces. And, I, you know, it might not mean that much to a lot of people. But, again, it's sort of that watermelon. It's sort of like a little taste or a little slice of what they're missing in normal society. So I felt that was a really beautiful kind of a metaphorical scene.
3: It's great that Kevin's bringing these up. Because from my point of view, which I will talk about more later, is the, this movie is a very unique take on a coming-of-age film. And I, I already actually already mentioned that. So these, these moments that you're mentioning with the kids and how one scene is incredibly somber and they're maturing at a fast rate. And then there's another one where it's a little bit more of what they lack in their own lives are very
1: introspective. I just wanted to mention um, from Kevin's first comment. I, I agree, Chris. Sorry. Um, just before we move on, the big nose thing was like a nickname that the other students gave to Jackie. But his um, mm-hmm. his name. So <clears throat> all the students took the surname of Master Yu and uh, Master Yu. I believe his yeah. name is Yu Jim Yuan. You, um, yeah, Yu Jim Yuan. Yeah. Jackie was Yun Lo, and uh huh the subtitle track every single scene, no matter what, like the girl he's trying to date calls him big nose. I'm like, that's not yeah. right. <laughs> it's not <laughs> because she's calling him Yun low. And then uh-huh. sometimes they call him ah Lung, which I'm assuming means big nose. So that translation yeah. was kind of spot. I know the translations
2: were, 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 they were, they were, they were janky. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't even notice that
3: only because I had no idea who these people were actually called in real life.
1: They don't. Right. They don't really talk about any of them except for the the three main ones, um, Yun Bu, and yes. Yun Lo, and Yun and Long, Lo. Which
3: big brother, you, big nose, and what they call the third one?
2: Little. Well, yeah, little brother. Yeah, they, I mean, they, little they, brother. They kind of yeah, call them
1: all that, but so. they call they, um, Yun Bu abu for some reason. Um, I I think there's like a okay. a Chinese thing with when you say Ah in front of someone's name, it, it means some kind of like an um, endearment. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's a term of endearment, I believe.
1: But none of the other ones they like really mention by name. They're just little brother. So there's a big yeah. focus on the three brothers or the three dragons, as, as Kevin and I know. Um, Jackie, mm-hmm. Samo and and um Yin Bu. And it's kind of funny. Yeah. They call him Samo, but I don't think he went by Samo until after <laughs> this movie no. would have happened. Not, so not you
2: know, not not until after they leave and join the Hong Kong film industry as uh, you know the big three
1: i think that's just a a nod to the audience like hey you guys all know who this is right right mm-hmm. yeah and it's kind of meta like just- Samo yelling at himself is kind of interesting
2: <laughs> it's kind of cool i think it's kind of cool yeah, yeah i, I liked cool it
1: <laughs> but yeah so i i think there are some other scenes that we had we had uh listed out i'm um, sorry for that segue i think the best scene in the movie
3: when big brother and big nose get in trouble by master U. the moment that leads to big brother's departure from the group when big brother covers for big nose because big nose is off yeah gallivanting and he did him a favor yeah but then master U comes in and just starts caning him again and beating the hell out of him because he deceived him and for me being an outsider, I like the symbolism. I know painted faces comes from the whole pecking opera getup, up, right? They paint their faces mm-hmm. as part of the tradition. But to me yeah. also a painted face implies deception. And the heart of that particular scene is that master is being deceived by big brother. And I think I thought that was key also because my perspective is seeing this movie as a coming-of-age film, and it it sort of works as the act an act of huge growth for a young boy. Well, for anybody, young boy, young girl, but um, growing up and deceiving someone and then learning the consequences of that. Yeah, that's that a would good, be. That's a I think. One. I think that's. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's my favorite. Two two smaller moments I really appreciated was when Big Nose is balancing the pot on his head in front of the girls to try to sort of impress them. And he's yeah. <laughs> he's moving and he's making the noises, but he's making like
1: 90 degree turns. Like one of those stereotypical, uh, like the Indian ladies when they hold the pots in their head, but he doesn't have his hands up there. Right. He's just like, you know, yeah. walking around. That's pretty badass. Yeah, he's making yeah. funny noises too. I thought that was entertaining. Yeah.
3: And um, Great Line, which you, you already told me, Ben, before the show that there was multiple trans- translations of this, yep, but uh, Uncle Hua and Master Yu are having a drink at one point, and Master Yu says, "I always think about how boring drinking is, but then I think about how boring not drinking is." And <laughs> because of our motif on this show of playing Trailer Park Boys, I thought that was a hell of a Mr. Leahyism, if I've ever heard mm-hmm. one. Mr. Lee, is this you talking or the liquor,
2: Randy?
1: I am the liquor. <laughs> <laughs> the other one on my translation was sometimes I I think drinking is a waste of time, but then not drinking is a waste of life. I was like, damn, yeah, that's, <laughs> like that's really yeah. kind of morbid, yeah. but also poetic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hardcore. Uh, i love it <laughs> I, I know uh you have another another scene but before we get to that i just want to for the listeners explain there's a lot of focus on the first in the first at least act or act and a half on jackie and again big nose if you if you end up watching this movie they're going to be calling him big nose most of the time i think unless you get a correct translation for some reason i don't know why whoever translated it did that did it that way <laughs> Um, but they, there's a lot of the whole, the movie opens with Jackie basically signing up for his 10 years at uh, master used mm-hmm. Chinese um, drama Academy or the pecking opera school. And that's kind of like a big deal. Cause 10 years was the max that a kid could sign up. And Jackie was going, his parents kind of let him like, Oh, you want to do 10 years? Okay. Like he was a problematic yeah. child. And I think that was kind of probably the existence of all these kids was their parents, Either we're both working to try to provide, and this was you know '60s wasn't Mm -hmm. a great time in China. So if if you didn't go to school and get good grades, you're probably going into one of these schools. Yeah, Um, and you're going to be beaten with a cane and getting. I think Jackie said he gets five or six hours of sleep for like ten years. Those ten years, he only got five or six hours of sleep every night, which is crazy.
2: And barely anything to eat, and sleeping on uh, sleeping on the floor where all the blood and and everything yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty accurate to what Jackie's written although like you know in the book it's it probably doesn't even matter but it was his father who took uh Jackie to the uh, China Drama Academy to meet Master Yu and but it is accurate like Jackie really he saw all the kids and then he asked uh, how long can I stay and then max 10 years and he said okay I want to do it it's very accurate to what happened in 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 the film <laughs> and yeah how, how else are you supposed to kind of keep control of a sort of a, a, a kid like Jackie because he was always so physical he couldn't really he, he couldn't maintain his attention in class I mean I don't know maybe Jackie actually has some undiagnosed ADHD uh, but one
3: of those films for sure when I watch when I watch it and I see them do some of their workouts I'm like wow I completely
1: yeah. feel out of shape
3: What am I doing with my life?
1: Well, uh, I don't think anybody nowadays can go train for like 12 hours a day and just, you know, eat basically nothing and just be straight up like ripped. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ripped and agile and completely balanced.
2: It's crazy. Those kids would kill at the Olympic gymnastics team or something.
1: But I think the detriment on their bodies at long term, no one wants I think they're all like football players now where their just bodies are destroyed, absolutely, you know, killed from that much training and well, and from all the stuff they did in in making their movies. But uh some scenes that I had written down that I really enjoyed was um to build off Kevin's um slice of watermelon scene, which is great. That that kind of goes right into when they're playing hooky. And they get into a fight with a bunch of the, you know, all these kids are, The elite kids. Yeah, yeah the re- the regular kids are giving these guys shit for uh, being the Baldies, quote unquote, which is a nice little callback to uh, the Wanderers, uh, the movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but there's a gang in there called the Baldies, which I think is hilarious. Baldies. But um, actually, on we talked about it on Amy's episode that I was on. So if you want to check that out, but yeah, they're they're, they're fighting because Yoon um, Byu. They're going around playing hooky um, from training because Master Wa has taken Master Yu, or sorry, Uncle Wah has taken Master Yu to go drink all day. So they're just like going around looking at some street vendors, getting fish, you know, getting a goldfish or something. <laughs> and then these, these, you know, I, I guess you'd call them rich kids, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, uh-huh. break the glass and they get into a fight. But then after that, my favorite one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they get on the bus and they're all like, Yeah, conductor 1033, he's my dad. And like 10 of them all say <laughs> <to> that. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and the conductor's like, Since when did that well, guy have this many bald children? Like it cracked, <laughs> cracked me up.
2: And apparently that's true to life.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I want to say Jackie went back to this movie for his biographies, and was like, Yeah, I would have put that in there. I'm going to put it that in seems there. Seems like he did. <laughs> And there was two other scenes I thought were really great. Uh one of them I'm not going to mention because I know Chris has something to say about it because we already talked about it off air, but the uh the last one I thought was funny is towards the end of the movie they finally well, I I have three and I have two I'm going to say actually. Towards the end of the movie, they're on a actual movie set as just extras and the direct they're filming a scene where they're basically getting a firing squad getting killed and so all Samo Jackie and and uh, you and all die and they just continue like flailing around on the ground. And then the other guys just all like kind of like sit back up after they get shot. And the director's like, yeah, those guys over there on the right. They died really well, but there's other ones not so well, (laughs) which I just thought was a nice little touch. Um, Yeah. And the last scene, my, my absolute favorite, technical scene mm-hmm. would be the, the the time lapse when they're in the changing room and the camera's spinning around they're all a bunch of young kids and then like five years goes by or something that's a great scene and they're all teenagers Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. shout out
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's with Jackie he's got a towel over his face right and then and then she, the scene shifts and they all gradually grow up and then he takes the towel off and he's hey it's teenage Jackie like
1: hey this is cool <laughs> there's even some uh, like mirror work in there where they kind of there's a mirror on him before you get to him and you see it, that he's a different person. It, I mean, clearly that was, that was some good, uh, choreography on the director's part. Cause mm-hmm.
0: all, they're, you're,
1: you're dealing with a bunch of five and 10 year olds. I mean, they have to do everything perfectly for that. Right. Agreed. So, uh, yeah, I'll let that last scene. I was going to mention, uh, Chris and I think we're, we're going to talk about that very shortly, but I'll let you, yeah, that's
3: a big point of contention. Uh, Brunette I have one more. On. One more moment I do want to shout out is I did enjoy the turtle on the bedpost or the bedpost on the turtle rather.
1: Yeah. Half, full, I, half empty, half full. Ha- <laughs>
3: yes. And I, I sort of see symbolism in the turtle because the whole film is about uh, old traditions dying or old traditions. People are slow to change them and, or you can't teach an old dog new tricks with Master Yu, per se. And he's essentially the character that Sammo's playing, Master Yu, relates to the turtle, propping up an old way of life, and he's stuck in place. And it, it's not until the third act of the film where he lets the turtle go.
1: Mm-hmm. I, right? I, he lifts up the bedpost. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that was a made-up metaphor that the uh producers or writers or director put in there i think it's a good one i yeah i thought it would now that i'm listening to you say that it makes sense but i was like oh the turtle is the kids and they're growing and they're becoming stronger and then finally they're let they're let go because they're no longer stuck there but either or i think i think they either
2: or it works
3: yeah and another point i want to Bring up about the turtle is it's interesting to me that Eastern cinema, at least in my very short journey with it, they have a lot of symbolism with turtles. I don't know if you guys have seen that in other Hong Kong films or martial arts films.
2: Hmm. Maybe it's not Not something I've noticed myself, really. But I I in general, animals are a big are a big metaphor within Eastern Eastern uh, cinema. Yeah. Okay. I'd say animals in general.
3: There's, there were two or three examples I had, and I of course forgot to write them down, and I'm not going to be able to say them right now, unfortunately. But okay. I, one of them is with a puppet. It's a newer movie, and it's the t- the turtle is a puppet.
1: This is just like our Alec Baldwin flub on uh, the old way. <laughs> it is. We for, we forgot <laughs> it is. to mention that he's <laughs> his production. That production was uh, the same production. As the old way, which For the is old the way. way. Yeah.
3: The whole, the old way episode. Yeah. Anyway, my point is just in my experience that it's kind of weird that the turtle keeps popping up in my eyes. And, uh, Ben, to your point with how you parsed that symbol. Um, I think that's, it works both ways. Absolutely. And it sort of relates, it sort of relates to my qualm, like the big problem I have or not, not, Maybe it's not a problem exactly. It's just that it didn't exactly gel for me mm-hmm. because um, I felt as if it was conflicting really two stories. You have the master's story and you have the kid's story. And I thought it was going to uh, sort of build up to the kids. I, I guess I'll just name the scene. Do you want me to do that now? Do you want to say something before I go into this? Ben? No, no,
1: that's perfect. Uh, okay. So the the
3: main point of contention is, for me, the first two acts of the movie have, we're hanging out with the kids, I think, for a majority of the runtime. And again, coming of age, 100% with the scenes that you highlighted, Kevin, both somber and uh, the ones that have meditative vibes to them or lighter, Mm -hmm. what they currently lack in their life. Um. And I think I think the coming of age angle is important because we're, we're with the kids for so long, and the third act has this major scene, and it's actually multiple major scenes with Master Yu. I think it goes from him talking with who's the lady,
1: just a friend of Mas- the masters. Um, she was a. I didn't quite pick up on that. You mean Cheng Pei Pei's character? She, I think she she was Chang or something or Ching. and um she was just like a leader of another troop that was a all girls, I believe.
3: And yeah. he came across. That was where the girls when when the boys see the other girls. That was their master. Yes, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the third act has a, one or two of these scenes with the master talking with Chang Pei Pei, great name, and. This big scene, I didn't check the timestamp on it. It's really felt like a long end. time. It toward the end. It's it's really the climax of the movie, I think. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the it's the scene between Uncle Hua. Actually, you said it was pronounced how?
1: It's Hua. Like Hua. Wa. Like, like wa. You, if you say yeah. it really fast, it's Hua Hua. Yeah. Hua. Yeah. The J- Chinese Mandarin and Cantonese <laughs> are like so hard to pronounce. It's insane.
2: Yeah, they are. You yeah. just think of Bruce Lee cry like.
3: Wah. So Uncle Hua and Master Yi uh, are fighting, and Kevin, I think you described this scene very beautifully. So why don't you just quickly describe the scene for our listeners, if you don't mind?
2: The the scene with oh, you mean you're talking about the final scene?
3: The final scene. Yeah, I think you. I the think it was you, you who wrote the notes. I think it was really wonderfully described. If you want to just oh.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. So, like, this was one uh, that I had really wanted to revisit myself before we started recording, but I, I, I had no time. But it, it is the final scene uh, with Uncle Wah, and he is... See, him, uh, just a little bit of context, him and, and, Master, and Sam Hung's Master Yu, they went to the same Peking Opera School, and they trained for, for, for a decade. And even then, after all that training, all that hard work, they're still struggling to make ends meet for themselves they're still struggling to find their dreams so it gets to this point where you see master you and you see the kids who are on that same road as both of them trying to get to that level of of success or stardom and and uncle wa has been spending his his years as a stunt man basically taking all the hits all the all the falls and he's just consistently injuring himself all these years like how much more can he take so you get to the final scene and Uncle Wa is shooting, he's shooting a scene for a big kung fu flick. And the big kung fu star that he's doubling is just sitting there, just relaxing with his shades on. And it's like, you know, no one really cares about him. But the only person who cares is himself. Uncle Wa is the only person who cares about the scene and the way it's being shot. Added to that, you have Master Yu who cares about him, of course. And you have the kids who are basically seeing their future right in front of them via Master Wah. I mean not Uncle Wah. And it's a really poignant scene because you see you see him trying to perform it and getting it right and to prove himself, but in the midst of constantly proving himself, he loses himself. And it's a really right. it's a really sad scene to watch because is this really the future for all these kids? Is this what it's going to come down to?
1: Yeah, I had yeah. A, I had a very big response and I, I disagree with both of you uh no well, it's not really a disagreement i just see <laughs> I, just, I see it differently but if you had anything else to say in response to that chris before i go into what i think yeah that means i just
3: wanted to say that kevin described the scene beautifully so my point of contention is for me not having the context of who was who and i didn't even quite un- i didn't quite grasp who uncle Hua uh, was was really standing for um, until I read before the show, I read in the outline, Kevin's little blurb, and it, it comes across very po- poignantly on paper, I think. Um, and maybe if I watched it again, I would understand it more. Um, so to me, like his demi- quote unquote, demise or trying to nail the perfection on the set and having the stuntman pour his heart out into a scene. And to have the boys watch their future, and then the movie star is sitting on the side, not breaking his back over anything um and still going to get the credit at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. all of that is very poignant i so I appreciate that on a we on a rewatch i might I might see that better on this watch it didn't it didn't click with me it didn't jive with me at all, gotcha. and i think for me for me it was the it was what missed the mark with this the first two acts being so much so focused on a coming of age the climax to the movie didn't feel like it fit um, with how it focused on to me it wasn't it wasn't focusing on the kids anymore it was focusing on the master and and uncle hua and their relationship and what they were going through as far as how things change, what I said before with can't teach an old dog new tricks and how certain traditions die.
1: May I take a crack at this? Uh, no, absolutely. No, Ben, please. Yeah, So go for it. Uncle Wah, Um, that scene at the end, I think is a callback to a previous scene uh, when they're having a conversation between, there's a conversation between Master Yu and Uncle Wa where Uncle Wa mentions um, how hard it is to find work as an actor and I uh, can only find stunt work. And um, they specifically mention he's reminiscing about training through storms and through snow uh, growing up. And there's this constant angst for those two um, about the you know picking up or phasing out um, in Hong Kong <clears throat> since all the audiences would rather see the Western style of entertainment, which is movies. And uh, so uncle Wa during that scene mentions the, fr- the, the previous, like the scene halfway through the movie, he mentions, um, he's like, I I've spent 20 years of sweat or wasted 20 years of sweat. And, uh, I just want to perform one once more. And then in this restaurant where they're drinking they kind of do this little, you know, this little performance and yeah. the, the player, <laughs> the, yeah, the instrumentalist is playing like, I guess they just know the tune because it's like a standard pecking opera thing back in the sixties. Um, so the scene at the end, to me, would represent a couple things. One, it's it's Hua's last performance. And he's, he's re-perfor- mm-hmm. again, re-performing the exact same set there. Him and Sammo Hung uh, as Master Yu are, are pl- doing the exact same set again. And it also represents Master Yu's last performance, because Pecking Opera's going away. Um, and he saves, during that scene, Uncle Hua who's played by Lam Ching Ying is saying, Hey, big brother, like save me as he's falling off these rafters and there's fake snow. You know, they hit this, they, I don't even know what, what it was, but they hit this fake sn- this snow and that's happening when they're performing which I think is again, a callback to him mentioning training through the snow as a kid. And I think there's, there's even something meta about this performance because Lam Ching Ying, who was in a lot of Sammo Hung's movies and a lot of Hong Kong movies, uh, as a director, as a martial arts director, choreographer, and as like a a side actor, basically just they you know, doing a bunch of the physical stuff, the action. He actually went was in a Peking opera school as well growing up. So having him in that role I think is kind of meta and none of us really know that going in. Well to your credit, Ben
3: to your credit Ben, that last scene between them is when you say meta, it is incredibly surreal. I mean I picked up on the fact that the atmosphere around it was changing. Yeah. Like the tone, the tone of the yeah. film changed,
1: but it didn't, it didn't hit me. It didn't hit me with, without having that context. Yeah. So the deeper meaning, I think in that with all that set aside is like, they're doing this in the rafters um, master. You chases them up and they're above the set. They're actually physically above the set. So right. do, does them being physically above the movie set have some kind of meaning, like pecking opera, was influence on this was was it like is there a deeper meaning in them carrying the performance out physically above the set of the movie kind of some kind of statement like pecking opera influenced the movies like these these action movies are only possible because you have these guys that are trained in the opera i mm-hmm. don't know i might be reading too much into it or could it be just emphasizing like hey the pecking opera like they're in the rafters off the camera but they're behind the scenes. Like they're always present. This is, this is a, this made the movies. Like, I don't know. I I don't know if that's. No, I think, I think,
2: think, no, I think there's some truth to that because I mean, after the Peking opera, I think, well, not only Jackie, I think Sam was gone now to say it as well. I mean, they were really the most elite trained stuntmen. They happened to become the most elite trained stuntmen in the, in the Hong Kong film industry with Shaw from Shaw brothers all the way. till. You know them making their own films and actually entertaining a huge crowd from Hong Kong all the way to uh, all the way to the United States, and I think there is some truth to that. That you know, without Peking Opera, you wouldn't have quality Hong Kong action films that we have today and that we're talking about.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, I I agree. I agree that I, I like I like your take a lot. I appreciate it for sure. It's it's that whole scene ends up becoming a, an homage to stunt people and to everybody who really happens, everything that does everybody who does things behind the scenes.
2: It's a little love letter. I, I can see. Yeah. It's a yeah. Love for sure. To, to, to stuntmen and what they, and what they endure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's that scene and the whole movie is really a tribute to pecking opera and like the stuntmen and, and where they came from. Right. And it, it's really, mm-hmm. right you think that Samo and all the rest and, and Jackie and all the rest of them would hate their master since he put them through abuse those, all those years, but they really, oh, no. they really didn't. Cause without him, they don't exist. And I think this is a great segue into, um, my recommendation to you guys and to everybody is to watch the 2020 documentary, um, Kung Fu Stuntmen. Samo's in it briefly. Donnie ends in it. There's a bunch of, um, sweet, a bunch of the other seven little fortunes in it. And a bunch of, a bunch of guys, um, And and a couple gals, but it it just shows how they they really did sacrifice their bodies and even sometimes their lives for these movies for us for 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 the audience to provide us with realistic action and um, I highly recommend it because it's related to this movie as well because in the first ten minutes they use scenes from Painted Faces uh, as they're talking about the stunt stuff so I I highly recommend that it might. At one point, it was on Netflix, but it might only be on Haya now, which is the Amazon the the Amazon streaming service. But I, I can get you a copy for sure. <laughs> Please.
2: I was going to ask if it was on Tubi. Ben's
1: dealer. I don't think so. I, I yeah. think <laughs> I think I think Chris would be the Tubi guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have. I would have to look yeah. that one up. I just looked at re- looked it up recently. It's it's not. But yeah, I recommend that. And I this movie, I watched it twice. I was able to watch it twice, thankfully, and and I really. Really liked it. It felt like I was at home because I just know I just know all these all the faces well, not the faces, yeah. but I know <laughs> all the characters and the people.
2: You know the characters, yeah.
3: Did you catch the the when the boys are on that movie set? They're taking a break and I think they're having lunch or something. Yep. Yeah. But they're mesmerized by all of the scenery around them. And they're saying, oh, this was in that movie. This was in that movie. And I just wanted
1: to ask you if you caught what movie. They shout out
3: a movie that you and I both collabed on.
1: (laughs) Well, watching it. Yeah, watching it twice, um, I was able to. Yeah, it was uh, The One Armed -armed Swordsman starring Jimmy Wang Yu. So obviously (laughs) they were on the the Shaw Brothers lot. But I really think it was a missed opportunity because they had Chang Pei Pei in the cast of the movie. So they should have called out, like, come drink with me or something. But that was yeah <laughs> mostly mostly filmed in taiwan so i, I know why they didn't but they should have used one of her movies because she's was like one of the original wuja stars in her 20s so gotcha. maybe that was a copyright thing but shaw brothers was you know they had their shield in the beginning of the movie so i'm assuming they were somehow involved in the production or maybe just the distribution i'm not sure but right that, that was a good little like for the audiences in the in the 80s like oh look the movies you guys used to watch when you were kids like Right. It was a little homage to that, mm-hmm. which was cool. I think they were all 60s movies. I think the other one was like a, the 14 Amazons, which I'm, I've never seen, but it's another Shaw Brothers movie. Since we kind of, that, that last scene kind of flows perfectly in, into a question I had for you guys. Uh, and since like the pecking opera, like a lot of other things, is kind of a lost art now. Like <laughs> obviously you're not allowed to be yeah. a 50 year old man abusing little 5 and 10 year olds, uh yeah. beating them and <laughs> not feeding them and making them, you know, remember when he's like, uh, he's got multiple of them over his knee and he's like stretching them out to try to make them flexible and stuff <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think that's happening. But... Oh,
2: my spine. I felt my
1: spine in that. Scene. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, it was like a scene out of WWE. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, like I have an, one example, but, uh, for, for you two guys, are there any other arts like, you know, entertainment arts out there that are becoming less prominent that you know over time just because the people who were skilled at them are just dying off and not passing that knowledge and skill on
2: given that this is a well peking opera you learn very old traditional martial arts like martial arts before the communists came over and took and uh, overtook china so i i might be wrong about this but you know i see a, a lot of these I just feel that maybe traditional martial arts, like the northern and southern Shaolin styles that Jackie learned and Sammo learned uh, from, not only their not only Master Yu, but uh, Jackie learned from his father, and you know his father was a was in the the, the Chinese army before the communists took over and basically suppressed everything. I, I just feel like maybe traditional martial arts is a dying form at this point. And it, it's it's become the butt of many jokes uh, recently, and you know I see like these, I, I see how people kind of like to pit you know these old martial arts styles against say MMA. This isn't this might be such a juvenile topic to bring up, but I just feel that tradition like again that just comes into the form of tradition. Tradition is being lost nowadays, and part of that tr- traditional martial arts is a lost form. I think just doesn't really deserve. Does it?
1: Totally yeah. agree, and since you brought up. I was thinking about this today as well. Since you brought up um, yeah. MMA, I think it's perfect to mention. Yeah, I think the emp- the lack of emphasis and, and the dying out of boxing is like huge. That was the one of the biggest sports. Yeah. That was the biggest sport yeah. for like a hundred years, and now we don't. None of us, ca- nobody under forty five, no. gives a shit about boxing.
2: No, 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 no one cares. No one cares anymore. And that's a that's a go to. My dad and I love boxing. Come I on, still man. go back and you we, we, we watch yeah (laughs) did you ever watch that i know i i i I did watch that a little bit as a kid yeah Yeah. i love that but um but yeah like you know i still go back and watch the old like classic espn clips of you know tyson back in the day or roberto it's i i I can go into a whole uh uh, diatribe diatribe on on boxing yeah but anyway yeah that's again another lost form things are just gone now
1: (laughs) there's no emphasis on the on the passing on of knowledge
2: No, no, bossing is a joke now. You get all these stupid TikTok stars like Logan Paul. (laughs) I hate (laughs) that. Anyway, (laughs) anyway.
3: No, it's it's perfect that you say it's a it's the lack of knowledge being passed on, and to tie it to the blue collar style of stunt work, um, just just the general tradesmen of our world, you know, metalworking, carpentry, glazing, all of these things yes it's work for people but i think at the same time if you have a veteran who's done it and cares about craftsmanship like just coming from experience because i work with these kinds of people that certain aspects they they appreciate it as an art like how they how they like cock a joint or how a, a panel is put into place might sound silly but these are things that do get lost over time when you don't have enough people that are willing to learn them. That's, that's the reality example. That's, just to, just to bring great, it.
1: That's great too. From uh, what you guys said. Yeah. I mean, I, just to build off that crane operators are another thing. Like no one knows how to use a freaking crane. It's crazy. Like there's people make so much money. It's ridiculous.
3: <laughs> they
1: make a ton of money. My my, co- Absolutely. my yeah. cousin was like my well third cousin, was like 22 at one point and he was making like $180,000 a year as a crane operator. I'm like, what the hell? Cause he just worked, he worked like shit ton of overtime. Uh, but that's, that's a, that's a big, uh, tangent.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you first asked the question, I try to think of art and cinema that was lost as another example and vaudevillian slapstick, or if you want to just call it vaudeville and then separately slapstick is something that I think has definitely died or is dying. Oh, definitely. I agree with um, you. Yeah. yeah, right. So, I mean, if you, you don't see anybody don't. anymore that does no. Abbott, an Abbott and Costello act or a Laurel you and Hardy see act. don't doing that.
2: Yeah, yeah. But, or, but, say, like, but like but uh, Spencer, uh, Buster, Terrence Hill. Keaton. Yeah, that. Too. Yeah,
3: there you go. Or or no, what you guys picked off when you guys going back way back to the beginning of the of the show, the pod. Mm-hmm. You guys covered a Buster Keaton film,
2: correct? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So even, yeah, even you looking at those guys,
3: of... they were stuntmen who did all yeah. their own stuff.
2: Exactly. exactly. And you don't see gone. that anymore except,
3: except for Tom Cruise.
2: Tom Cruise not... is, is the closest that you can get because, I mean, you get these people and they were stuntmen before they became actors and big stars. Actors. Tom Cruise was really just an actor who became someone who cared about just realism and doing his own stunts. So it's right. sort of the reverse, but the closest he, he has like a nowadays,
1: autistic numbers. level of passion for what. Yeah. He does. <laughs> yeah. Well, said. very much well a said. very autistic level to, to jump a motorcycle off a cliff more than once. <laughs> you have to have something wrong with <laughs> you, time. right? You can't be normal. Oh right? yeah. He's, he's crazy. Right. He's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> he is a Scientologist. <laughs> so let's not forget. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's just that's, for, <laughs> that's for money, baby. Um But that, that's the, the Tom Cruise thing is a perfect, like, we're not gonna have no, this like, this cinema anymore is gone. Like the Hong Kong cinema of the seventies and eighties is is gone. You're never getting it again.
2: It, just to add on to the Tom Cruise thing, you know, him getting re, apparently getting reportedly getting very, very pissed off about Oppenheimer getting more IMAX screens than Dead Reckoning, I think is is very fair on his part. Because Oppenheimer didn't deserve an IMAX screening. I'm sorry. Whoever loves Oppenheimer, it did not deserve. An IMAX screening that Nolan film does not deserve an IMAX screening, as opposed to prior Nolan films. The and you get the end. whole, bar- <laughs> yeah, you get the you get the whole stupid Barbenheimer craze, and it's just like, it, oh wow, this is all getting that much attention. But Dead Reckoning is sort of anyway. <laughs> well, it's just yeah. I wanted to give another example
3: along with the slapstick and the old school stunt guys, but storyboarding I don't think is done anymore, and that that i think is a lost art
2: mm-hmm. especially i i think i would agree chris yeah go on you would
3: agree you would agree right i don't think too many people do yeah. that anymore
2: and i mean i i came from that world in college uh because i studied i studied animation sure speak i speak from experience yes yeah 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 you know i mean storyboarding was an important that was a big deal in uh you know in, in learning film and television and learning animation but honestly when you look at the state of films nowadays and of uh, sure this might sound repetitive but you look at the way they're shot you look at the way they're filmed and I don't think storyboarding has really taken that much precedence like it used to you don't get tangible framing you don't get you, you don't get scenes that actually not only make you want to gander at it but want to make that you'd want to partake in the action you look at movies and the, it, it's it's just not the same it doesn't really have the same sort of you know premeditative feel as to uh, oh this is what I want in the shot. Yeah. It's it's just not the same anymore. It, yeah I think it, it, storyboarding exists, but not to the level of care. Well they that film used to brush to over
1: step. They filmed the brush They film the spectacle yeah. they they film the spectacle first and then fill in all the spaces, all the negative space with whatever bullshit. So after right, right. Yeah.
3: I mean two great examples to go back uh, again on past episodes that we've covered, The Big Country and Topaz, if you look at both mm-hmm. of those movies, it is clearly evident that storyboarding was involved and in the, there was a thought process into oh, yeah. what both Weiler and Hitchcock wanted to capture on the screen.
2: Hitchcock storyboarded every single one of his movies and his cinematographer, I don't think really had that much creative freedom in terms of shot blocking, yes. but right. had, to follow that, had to follow that map that Hitchcock provided via his drawings and look what the result was.
1: Exactly. Chris, when you're talking about storyboarding, are you specifically re- like referencing something like you know what they used to do for like the Looney Tunes st- uh, skits? Is that what you're talking about?
3: Yes, yes, okay. that yeah. that would that would go in tandem with my examples of Weiler and Hitchcock. I mean, Hitchcock was like Kevin said, a hundred percent. Like everything had to be mapped out,
1: and I, I think that's a great. Yeah, that's that's a great example, and then also another example, or not another example. Another answer to my question is animation is is going away. I mean, hand drawn animation yep, is dead. Yeah, it's all and computerized. I can, I can
2: definitely agree to that. I can definitely agree to that. <laughs> Coming from that world, it's just not the same anymore. Yeah, it doesn't have that. Well, just as same you say,
3: just as you have said that, like you're not going to get '70s and '80s martial arts Hong Kong, mil- like you're not going to get that anymore. The ha- the animation of that era is the same is the same. You're not you're not gonna get that anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Look right? how much elemental made uh now like the new that new Pixar movie was a total dud. No one cares anymore. No one cares about what the hell Disney's putting out anymore. And that I'm just mainly specifically talking about uh about animation itself. <laughs> the way it's just, the way it should be. The way it should well, be. Well
1: right. about Disney not no one caring about Disney. I'm fine with that. Yeah. They've you know, ruined, no, yeah, they've, ruined they've ruined a lot. But my main point with, with Hong Kong cinema going away and any and, yeah, animation like the Looney Tunes stuff from the what fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, they did it forever. They yeah. just don't have the resources they had anymore. Like, the Hong Kong cinema. No. The when I say cinema, I I'm specifically referencing the Hong Kong action cinema that Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung and Yoon Bu and Corey Yoon, all these guys are so yeah. famous for, uh, Lau, Lau Kar-Lung, all those guys. They don't have the, the talent. The talent does not exist. These people literally do not exist anymore. And they're just getting the talent
2: t- and the charisma doesn't exist.
1: They're just getting 25 year old pop yeah. idols who like can sing a song and it's like, Oh, you're an actor now go be in an action movie. Like, yeah, you know nothing about movement. You know nothing about physicality, and you're supposed yeah. to be an action star. It's not realistic anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, the abuse of children allowed this, and it it doesn't happen anymore. We're all we're all yeah we're all coddled. I mean, I don't I don't you know I don't I don't, I don't, I, don't I don't approve of that. But at the same time, it was a di- it yeah. was a, it was a no, different. It
3: all leads back. It all leads back to that for sure.
1: <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Chris was laughing. He's, his his infamous silent laughs. How dare he? Why are
3: you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or
1: exciting, you make it not
3: that way. I was um, trying to laugh into the mic, okay?
1: Yeah, and my, my last... I got an ass. You, you got an ass? No, well, I do,
2: <laughs> but I mean... Uh, <laughs> but, you know... Uh, won't be to your pleasure, Ben. But I mean, anyway, uh, I wanted to ask you guys. It might be to my pleasure. What you don't know. I'll oh, hey, uh, whatever. Uh, you can keep that to yourself, okay? But anyway, I'm laughing now. <laughs> oh God! But maybe you uh, want maybe
1: you want my AIDS.
2: No, I knew it was going to go oh. there. Oh my gosh! Jeez, Another we go.
1: past episode out Here
3: we
2: go. Here we go. I, I had to throw. It had in to be that. AIDS. <laughs> it it had to be AIDS. Uh, all, all right, all right, all right. You're you're, you're
1: you're asking me a question. <laughs> uh, Seriously. Seriousness. I
2: wanted to ask both of you about Hong Kong film in general, besides the whole, uh, you know, Hong Kong martial arts output that you can access. It's, it, and you, you've got a multitude to work through, but besides that, what are other Hong Kong or Asian films that, um, that you've seen? Um, I mean, like say like Hong Kong could be like Taiwanese, uh, you know, like what, what are some who are some directors that you adore?
3: That's an interesting question, because
2: yeah.
3: I'm not quite sure I've I want to love this a lot more than I currently do based on my ratings. Yeah,
2: uh-huh.
3: I'll put it that way. I have a few three yeah. and a half, like three and a half out of fives. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've got like seven out of 10s, yep. whatever you're, you're going on Ben's rating system. Right. Um, that's Ben's probably game. the highest. I have currently with Hong Kong cinema uh, just because he's relevant to the episode. I really do like drunken master.
2: The, the first that, one or the second one?
3: First one. I have that as a three first and a half and, and that was directed by Yu And ping, right? So he's, yeah. he's a big name.
2: Yeah. But yeah, no, I, what I wanted to say is because, you know, in terms of Hong Kong, cinema you have like Wong Kar-wai I think that's a very very he's too right. common among, uh, among the film bro community and you know in, in terms of like the whole like not really not taking out the Japanese uh, realm of cinema like Ozu or Kurosawa I would also want to mention like Edward Yang and I just think that with Alex Law's direction here in Painted Faces there's sort of a there's a sort of gene that I feel is similar to the rest of Asian cinema and specifically those who I mentioned, like Wong Kar Wai and Edward Yang, is that the way they film or the way they capture human drama, and I think one of the, thing, one of the annoying things that I find, I don't know how you guys view it, but would you say that Painted Face is a, is a melodrama? Like, it,
1: Kind of, you yeah. You think it is? E-
2: kind of? yes yeah Coming I of age like slash
3: melodrama yeah
2: yeah I, I i feel like melodrama is like may, might be a term that's thrown around so much when it comes to films like these but i i mean i i just feel like you know melodrama let's take for example broken lullaby that was a total melodrama whereas mm-hmm. films like these i just feel they're more so the way they capture human drama maybe you can say it's, it's exaggerated that human drama is exaggerated but i feel that Wong Kar-wai and Edward Yang take more of a microscopic look into what strews and sizzles in the mind of man in a way and it mm-hmm. they're sort of it, when they when they tell stories i feel like they're trying to build a bridge between the audience and the mind of the character and i felt like Alex Law did that to a certain degree here which is similar to what Wong Kar-wai and Edward Yang do in their films but it doesn't really hit that point of uh of success. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but it doesn't really hit that that level that Edward Yang and and Wong Kar Wai do. And I just feel like that even even like in in action films or like you know suspense films like like in, in Internal Affairs by Andy Lau, another Hong Kong filmmaker. When dramas portrayed, it feels like they really do want to take you into the mind of the character. And I feel like it's sort of a common gene within those within Eastern cinema in that regard.
1: Infernal Affairs, better be. than The Departed.
2: Yes, it is better than the, the,
1: the original. Departed. The original one. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I haven't watched enough of the drama movies to really, yeah. to really like have a definitive yes or no. I not yes or no, but just like yes, I, I see all these these connections. Um, I, I will say, I, I watched Mabel Chung, who was the again, like I said, Alex Law's partner. Uh, they made a bunch of movies together. I saw one of, she made a trilogy called the immigration trilogy, um, mm. focusing on Hong Kong or Chinese people, either moving to Hong Kong, moving away from Hong Kong to America, stuff like that. Um, I've only seen one and that the eight tales of gold starring Sam Hung. And it, mm. it's very much, I think along the lines of like the melancholia that you see with his yeah. character here. And yeah, it's like pulls at your heartstrings and you're just like, man, I kind of feel bad after watching that. Like it's, it's <laughs> not happy. It doesn't end happy, but it doesn't end like, you know, horrifically. It's just like this. Yeah. I think there's in the, in Chinese cinema, I think there's just, or Asian cinema, at least that part, the Eastern Asia part, they've, they've been so been through so much turmoil the past, like 150 years. Like they've seen so uh, many yeah. people dying that they that leads
2: into their, into their art. Basically
1: yeah i mean like a bunch of european cinema of the 50s and 60s after world war ii kind of similar but different right yeah yeah true very true and i i know what you're alluding to i want to see more wong car Wai. i've only seen um chung king express
2: I, uh, that's one i've been that's the top one i've been meaning to see i don't really care about everything else and the mood for love is good um but I need to see Chung King Express. That's a, that's a big one. I, I want to watch.
1: Yeah, I highly recommend. I need to see all those. I highly recommend Eight Tales of Gold for you, Kevin, um, and you, Chris. Mm, I I, I mean, Tales it's Samo.
2: Right. I'll write that down.
1: Yeah, it's Samo again. Um, I I want to rewatch it because I think I'll, I'll like it better the second time, especially after this performance. And it just that movie and this movie show. When I say this movie, Painted Faces show. They both show that Samo has a a knack for drama as well as the, the action comedy that he was so well known mm-hmm. for. I, I really do enjoy that. I think I, I think I like Sam a little bit more than Jackie now after, you know, years <laughs> of, yeah. years of, of watching these movies. I just think he's, he's
2: the level, he's the level headed brother.
1: He's big brother, even though yeah, he's big brother, I, I think. Yeah. I think he's one year, year old. Uh, He's one year or He's older, two year yeah. two years older than Jackie, but one year younger than Corey Yoon. So I think there might be maybe a oh, a back and really? forth there. I think I, if I'm huh. remembering correctly, I might be wrong. Okay,
2: but, yeah, I always thought that Jackie said Samma was the oldest of the entire class uh, at at Peking Opera. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I that's
1: I think that. that's an over, oversimplification because Yoon Q, the uh, the female. Uh, again, that's another difference in the movie. There's no female students. I think that was just a yeah a way to simplify the sleeping arrangements they show on screen. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. She was like I said, the landlady in Kung Fu Hustle. Which Chris, you haven't seen that you should watch that yeah, you need to see that one that's a good one. yeah i haven't seen that I, one in a long time I really to...
3: i have that in my watch list i just watch listed infernal affairs from 2002 yes yeah so that's great you said that was better than the he said it was better than the departed i was like i i have yeah. to watch this because
2: and yeah. it's been a it's been a while since you've seen the, the uh, i mean the departed scorsese, scorsese
1: yeah
3: but I, I wasn't a huge i wasn't a huge fan
1: of it Scor- so, scorsese I mean, oh, okay. Scorsese's man he, he just goes off into his own little yeah. like oh everything's a fuck this <laughs> and fuck that like it's That's the whole movie is just cursing. Pretty, yeah,
2: (laughs) pretty much.
3: So, on the topic of Hong Kong cinema that I appreciate, I think one of my answers here is not (laughs) technically fully Hong Kong. Um, It was an American and Hong Kong combo. I think Teenage Mutant Turtles. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, the film is called Robo Vampire from 1988. Oh, Direct, directed by Godfrey Ho and Joe Livingstone.
2: Okay, oh, God, um, incredibly, Godfrey
3: Ho. <laughs> Godfrey, Ho. Um, Godfrey Ho. I quite
2: I love enjoyed how they that. Americanized their names. Yes. Yeah.
3: It, it's wonky. It's crazy. Um, off the walls. It reminded me of, uh, that other Wu Ping film I saw, called The Miracle Fighters. Sort Ooh. of wacky in that in that tone,
1: and I like both those movies. There's a lot of, and then. A lot of that, and there's a, a lot there, of that. there's a lot of the wacky stuff in like the early '80s movies, so you'll like that.
2: <laughs>
3: and one movie that I saw about six eight months ago that I have marked as one I definitely want to rewatch after I see more Hong Kong movies because I think I'm going to like it more is mm-hmm. On the Run by Alfred Chung Kin Ting. And uh, Ben, I think you just saw this
1: uh, a few months ago. A few months ago, Yuen Biew. Yeah, that's not really. So, yeah. A, It's not really like a a straight up action movie. It's more kind of in the vein of John Woo, uh, bloodletting. Yes, it's very, Uh, it's very dark. It's very dark.
3: I quite, I like. There was a lot I liked about it, but I didn't like it enough. I three, I gave it three stars out of five. But I have it marked as something I want to return to because it was out of all that I've seen so far, which noted is not very much. it's unique. It was unique to me in its temperament and style.
2: Okay. Okay, sweet. sweet.
1: And since yeah. we're going longer than I thought we would, so that's good, it means we have a lot to talk about. I do want to ask yeah. uh, Kevin first, for the listeners, yeah. what are your favorite mm-hmm. seven little fortune films? And I just qualified that as three of them are in it, and one of them either directed or produced or whatever.
2: Well, it's a big surprise, isn't it, that all that the three that I, that I like include Jackie Chan. So it's uh Dragons Forever and uh, so each one of these does star um Samo Jackie and uh, Yin Bu. Is that the way you pronounce it? Yin Wu. I always Biu. said Biao. I, I always said Biao, but Biu. yeah. So Dragons Forever, um My Lucky Stars and Wheels on uh, Meals on wheels. Wheels, no, on wheels. wheels on meals. Son of a bitch. <laughs> wheels on meals, yeah. That that one I think is my favorite of, Everyone uh,
1: everyone makes that mistake. Yeah.
2: Yeah, meals on wheels, I, I keep I, I, I keep I keep forgetting. I think Jackie did stay, say or I read somewhere that they it was supposed to be named Meals on Wheels, but because they had they had, they uh, had was it Winners and Sinners. Th- and
1: no, they had um, Millionaires Express in another movie with an M starting that they were like, oh, we can't do that.
2: We'll switch it up. Wheels on Meals. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> so doesn't really make my sense, favorite. But... No, yeah, that, that's, a no sense that's, that's a great
1: one. That's a great one. Those are all great. That's picks. my favorite. three. Yeah. And I knew that Kevin would pick those. So um, yeah, <laughs> mine <laughs> no. are not those because uh, got to give love to the other yeah. stuff. That's great. So I have um, project a, which stars all three of them. Again, Eastern condors, which is Corey Yoon and Sammo unleashed. That movie is fantastic. Yeah, I didn't um, mean to watch that one. Uh, Millionaires express or Shanghai express, uh, which again, Sammo. And there's a bunch of, that has like every Hong Kong star in 1985 in it. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. They, they should have got Jackie for it, but he was being a dick like usual. So that's fine. What, um, what,
2: what year was this one?
1: I think 85 or 86. 85. Oh, yeah. The, the Iceman Cometh. The Iceman Cometh. Uh, which is Yoon Bu, Yoon Wa, and I believe Corey Yoon is... um, He's in, he's in it as well, but he's also... Is I think the, is,
3: that, is that a remake of the John... Yeah, is that a remake of the John Frankenheimer film, which is based on the play by Eugene O'Neill?
1: No, that is a ripoff. Maybe they stole the name from it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Highlander ripoff. And uh, lastly, uh, give I'm, I'm giving you a lot of love, but uh, Righting Wrongs is another fantastic movie with um, Cynthia Rothrock in there. So there's a lot of stuff. Ah. We need to do more of this in the future, but we're going a little long. So let's, um, any other things... We, we talked about Hong Kong cinema for the first time. So I'm, I'm glad. Well, besides yeah. episode two, uh, we got into a movie review. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about that. I, there are some things I left out, but I'm fine with skipping what I have to say. So I'll, I'll leave the floor to you guys. Is there anything else before we wrap this one up? No, I think I said my piece,
2: but I did want to just repeat Project A. I do love Project A, and I don't know why I didn't include that because I'm stupid but anyway
1: well kevin your love is noted you're not you're not allowed to include every single jackie chan sam hung and Yoon g movie yeah (laughs) Yeah. you get three (laughs) you get three
2: i would have replaced my lucky stars with project a i don't know why it just didn't pop up Um, but
1: yeah anyway winners and sinners is another great one i thought you would i thought you were gonna pick that but uh i I do
2: love winners and sinners too yeah it's been a while i need i need to rewatch those
1: uh so chris you don't have any favorite Seven Little Fortunes movie because you didn't know who they were before recording this.
3: Correct, but yes, sir. Correct. Now, now you. If, if I said Jackie Chan, right? If if yeah. I'm picking a favorite Jackie Chan movie out of the short few I've seen, I think it's got to be Drunken Master. Um, yeah, that's a good. Pick. I know that's not original because a lot of people like that no. movie. Sorry. <laughs> um, Just catch. I don't up. think I've seen Sammo Hung in anything else, other than the film tonight. Do we do we have and do we
1: have a, something in store for you, sir? <laughs> yes, sir. Now and
3: you, uh Yun, Yun Yun Boon, what's his name? Yun Boon. Buu. Yeah. The other Yun, guy. Yun Boon. Yeah. Yun Bu, Thank you. I don't. Well, I, on the run? I'd seen that movie. He said he was in that, right? Yeah. Um, I do like that one. I want to like it more, and I plan on returning to that one, as I already noted. Just go watch Writing Wrong. I think
1: it's I, a better version of it. I think. <laughs>
3: I think literally the top of my list now for Hong
1: Kong movies is
3: Robo Vampire,
1: which is probably insulting. <laughs> okay. And we haven't yeah. even mentioned how Sammo basically by himself single-handedly invented the ghost story martial arts movie uh, with uh, Encounters of a Spooky Kind and a bunch uh, of a bunch of other ones, ones in the good. 80s. Noted. And then Lam Ching Ying was in a lot of like Mr. Vampire uh, movies, and then there was a TV show in the '90s. Uh, so Samo and them have so much wacky shit for you, Chris. You're gonna love it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, no, actually, I am excited to, to see of, more. Good. Absolutely. Speaking of wacky yeah. shit, Kung Fu Hustle. Anything Stephen Chow from like, obviously the '90s is gonna be wacky, and you're gonna like it. I have yeah. a bunch of okay. recommendations. Shaolin,
2: Shaolin Soccer. Again, <laughs> another one.
3: Cool. Cool. I watchlisted I already had Eastern Condors watchlisted. Um I have a bunch of stuff. If I've seen you review it Ben or Kevin, I I probably watchlisted the film already. So,
2: sweet, sweet, sweet.
1: Yeah, I've got work ahead of ahead of me. Oh, <laughs> shout out. I can't let this one slide. Um the tailor in the movie was Alex Lull, the director. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Meta he was complaining about his son going to college and not helping him be a tailor anymore. So in the vein of you know, the master not <laughs> yeah. getting his, his students are going to do their own little thing. So I, I don't know. I like this movie a lot. Let's, let's rate this thing. Christopher. Yes. You first.
3: I'm first. Yeah. boy. All right. Pressure's well, on, I've boy. stated, I've stated my case, um, something that I would totally rewatch after I get more under my belt because, I have a sad showing currently. Um, so, right now, I think it's it's a pretty 50 50 for me. Like um, I think the comedy works really well for me. Good coming of age aspect. The, all the dramatic stuff kind of really falls flat for me. So, I'm giving it a 5 out of 10.
2: All right. So, <laughs> Kevin? Ben seething.
1: <laughs> I'm the Sorry, it everybody. Eight
2: out, of 10. 8 out of 10 for me.
1: All righty. Well, I am. I've have seen it twice, and I've seen a, a shit ton of the yeah. movies. So uh, yeah. it should come as no surprise that I am the most positive. So it's all good.
2: Yeah. Damn I'm, it! I'm going
1: with a 10 out of 10. It's I'm it's going oh. it's going Ooh. on my favorite movies. Thought,
2: it's going uh, on my favorite movie list. I, I, I thought I thought it'd be a little bit below the 10 out of 10. It's the rare 10 out of 10s from Ben.
1: Here. Wow, very nice. I need to <laughs> give out more of them. I, I am very stingy on my tens.
2: Yeah. You are, yeah. Chris, this <laughs>
1: might be my first 10 out of 10 since eight diagram pole player Donovan. last august yeah seriously wow that's the one It might that's be i well besides rewatches like Rio, before that Rio rough. Rough. yeah those don't count There's, yeah oh well. yeah that was yeah. A, a five
2: <laughs> yeah that so, was a five yeah you right. gave that one a 10 out
1: of 10 yeah that was another movie where i'm like all right is it really a 10 out of 10 it's like a 9 out of 10 for me <laughs> but it's a 10 out of 10 favorite wise so it's going you know you got to be more positive than chris yeah. i'm mr positive I'm so glad that's the goal of yours. Yeah. This is great. We're going to see more no, 10 out of 10s from Ben. No, I don't think you're going to see that many out of me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we can hope <laughs> that's that's it for painted faces. It's Hong Kong cinema love letter, as Kevin put it, uh, saying goodbye to what came before and making a tribute to the people who made the 60s, 70s and 80s Hong Kong cinema possible. I think it's great. Chris is wrong. And Kevin's Kevin's a good, Kevin's a cool guy. <laughs>
3: thanks we we stand we I'll stand on that. the shoulders of these people
1: yes and i very much that one unfortunately we couldn't play any scenes for you guys because it's in you know cantonese so you wouldn't be able to understand anything yeah. unless we have any cantonese <laughs> listeners out there i'm sorry we we failed you but that one thing they're reciting over and over like i am reasonable but you think you're reasonable <laughs> i just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then at the end of the film like Chris, you think you're reasonable? I'm reasonable. Yes. (laughs) Heaven only knows. (laughs) Full circle. Yes. All right, guys. Fantastic to be back. This will be out soon. Uh, Love it. Anything else? Any other alibis? No. No, I think we're good.
2: I'm good. Yeah, we're good.
1: We searched and we found. And the searcher score, sorry, uh, I forgot to say. Oh, yeah. What is it? What do you think it is?
3: With a 5, an 8, and a 10? Mm. It's, it's, it's going to be a seven
1: point three, seven point 7, 7. 7. seven. Chris cannot do math, though.
2: Seven point seven. Ooh,
1: I was um, close. close. Hey, yeah, that's closer. That's, closer. that's a recommend. That's a recommend. All right, that's a recommend. We'll see you next time. Later. Adios.
2: Thanks for listening to the Searchers Podcast. If you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies you can find us on letterboxd ben at giant 13 chris at Ziglit underscore mer and me at kevin chan find us on spotify and apple podcasts and on searchers filmpodcast.podbean.com until next time people